0: Hi, this is Maggie Rose, and you're listening to Salute the Songbird on Osiris Media. I started this podcast to showcase women in music who inspire me and who I want folks everywhere to know about. My guests are icons in contemporary music, independent artists, studio musicians, hit songwriters, and power players behind the scenes, all of them challenging the status quo, respecting the hustle, and leading the way for women following in their footsteps. Salute the Songbird is a platform for women in music to share their stories and let their voices be heard. And everyone has a seat at the table. Welcome. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Salute the Songbird. I'm coming to you from a very special place. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm walking along the shoreline here in Isla Mujeres, Mexico. I was lucky enough to get a vaccine the other week. My whole band is with me. Everyone's at least gotten their first dose of a vaccine. And our calendar is starting to fill up. So things are happening. I'm so excited, and it just feels like everything's getting back to normal again. It's been really hard, and we've missed you so much playing shows. But here we are, back in a community that we love. I've been playing on the island for the last six years part of a festival called Island Time that benefits the little yellow schoolhouse which is the only school on the island that caters to children with special Lovely. needs. And over the years we've become close with this community, the people here. We're staying at our friends' house and just feels like we get to reunite with people which is what our favorite part about being on the road is is feeling connected to people all over the world. So we're happy that we can make this happen. This week's episode I have a very special guest. She is not a musician, but she is someone who influences the musical landscape of Nashville and beyond. She's a senior vice president at CMT. She got her start at Rock Radio in New York City, working with people like Matthew Pinfield. She started a movement. She's co-founded with both Beverly Keel and Tracy Gershon called Change the Conversation, which is all about promoting equal play and equal representation of women, especially in Nashville, on terrestrial country radio and beyond. So she's been a huge proponent of supporting the arts, especially the arts created by women in Nashville. And she's a friend of mine. She's been in my corner for a very long time, since I moved to Nashville almost 13 years ago. And I feel like she's the perfect guest to have on Salute the Songbird because this is all about sharing our stories. And I want more guests like Leslie Fram to be part of this show, because it's not just the women on stage who make this all work, it's the people behind the scenes who are making sure that all of our voices are heard. So, without further ado, here is my good friend and my mentor, Miss Leslie Fram, and be warned, prepare yourself for the love fest that is about to ensue, but it's all real. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yay!
1: You are killing it. Hi, Leslie. How are you? I'm so proud of you. I, I am blown away. I listened to a couple of them that were sent to me, and I loved the one with Ruby and Mickey.
2: Oh.
0: I want to get a picture of you guys. Oh, okay. Uh, cheers in your waters. You guys are on dry January. Right.
1: And... <laughs> cheers. So I'm doing a gallon a day.
0: A gallon a day? Yeah, I started
1: doing that during COVID. <laughs> I had to
0: do something. Well, you're going to turn into an amphibian with all that water. (laughs) That's good. I know. It's helping your immunity. Exactly. Well, Leslie, welcome to Salute the Songbird. We salute you. You are truly like family to me, and we were talking about interviewing, and I think you're one of the most skilled interviewers out there, how listening is important, also preparing for an interview is important, uh, I loved the interview with you and Kelly Bannon uh, on her podcast. First of all, I love Kelly, and we both do. But you talked about how the artist feels that dread when they walk into the room and they can see that their interviewers just pulled up their Wikipedia page, which is right. never like the most factual impression of who someone is, but you are someone who gets to know every artist that you help showcase. And I think you are a true cheerleader of all musicians. And I want people to know that, yes, you're the senior vice president at a CMT and a total boss, but you're a rock <laughs> god. You're a rock legend who got their start in radio.
1: I wouldn't use the word legend.
0: <laughs> okay, well, Thank you. Thank you're you. too young to be a legend, but you're legendary, Thank your, you. your reputation. So tell me a little bit about your start in radio.
1: Well, it's really funny. Uh, Well, first and foremost, I have to congratulate you on this incredible podcast. And I've listened, you were nice enough to send me some links. You are a great interviewer because you're a great listener. And, you know, you do have to over-prepare when you're talking to an artist or a musician or a songwriter or whatever. But I love the fact that when I listened uh, to your first one with Ruby, Amanfu, and I love Ruby. She's a friend of mine. I learned even more about Ruby from your podcast and interview so thank Yay! You
0: for that. that makes me happy the fact that I could teach Leslie Fram about Ruby Amonfu <laughs> who I, th- I believe you actually turned me on to her music along with Cliff Aldrich like you've done for me with so many artists but coming from you that's extremely high praise and uh, we need to bolster each other up and that's why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place because normalcy has been very elusive this year and I miss that connection. And that I also feel like there's a lot of women who are iconic, who deserve to be celebrated, no matter how many times we've documented how great they are. Everyone can hear it a little bit more often. And I also want to introduce people to artists that I love.
1: Which I think is, is admirable. And it's what a great extension to what you're already doing with your career. It makes sense, honestly.
0: And it's nice to be out there having a conversation without having to make it about self promotion to be honest it's a way to stay you know in the rapport with other people who are doing things that inspire me without being like buy my album because we get sick of ourselves honestly artists every artist should get a little sick of their own <laughs> problems and the things that they're writing and recording about
1: and it's always great when you can you know flip the switch and take the attention off of yourself Um, I love that, you know, you mentioned Kelly Bannon. I saw her on Twitter the other day say, you know, let's open it up. Teach me about some music I may not have heard before, which I'm continuing to try to always listen to things in all genres because I don't profess to know everything. And I think that's really healthy. And so I believe that that's what you're doing with this podcast. You're turning people on to so many new and exciting people and things and music.
0: You've always been someone who's listened to, a wide array of genres but in researching you as well as I know you you know I didn't know how influential you were on the alternative rock movement throughout your very extensive career in radio and I find that to be fascinating because I know that your knowledge of music is profound but you were pretty instrumental in breaking some of the biggest artists of the 90s and 2000s and
1: You know what? And I was really lucky to be able to be in radio at a time when it was before consolidation. So, you know, starting out in top 40 and then transitioning into alternative. It was that golden time in radio where you could program to your market. Right. And we didn't have anyone telling us what to play. So we produced a lot of events. We supported a lot of local artists. And I'd mentioned that to Kelly Bannon on her podcast. was we just it was great music. It didn't matter if the artist was signed or not signed because the audience certainly didn't know. And that's how I sort of, when I came into CMT, I wanted to have those same principles. And so when I you know, got turned on to someone like you, who arguably, and I'm not just saying that because we're sitting here talking to each other, but if, if I wanted to name probably the top five vocalists in this market, not just in country, but in Nashville, you would be one of them. And when you have like a, a triple threat person like you or a Mickey Guyton or a Cam and you're sitting there going, wow, this person, first of all, sings with so much soul and and makes me feel something. And they're such a great artist and they know how to perform. That's where I really got frustrated and wanted to start Next Women of Country because I saw these amazing artists who weren't getting recognized or signed, which is what we did in, you know, in rock radio. And I think we always try to stay positive. Um, if you look back on how long we've been all working on this, whether it's Change of the Conversation or the CMT with Next Women of Country or any of those, we still don't have you know, what we feel is fair on terrestrial radio and even some streaming services. But I look back on some of the positive things that have happened. I do think that women are supporting each other we see it all the time on social media, where you know one a win for one is a win for all. I see you do it all the time on socials. I see all the women that you know we have all supported from Marin to Carly to Kelsey, that everyone is doing that, and to me that is so healthy because remember in the very beginning it was there's one slot and you felt like you were really competing with all these other women, and so now it's more of like. Let's cheer everyone on and, you know, a win for one is a win for all. And so if anything, I think we've accomplished that. And I do feel like it's still this uphill battle and we have a long way to go, especially in the country music world.
0: Right. And I I think your messaging has always been positive. I don't feel that there's ever been like fingers pointed at this one person is the problem. You know, it's just like, hey, can't we all do better? And men and women, let's concede to that. And I feel The support has been overwhelming, and it's allowed for not only the camaraderie to really shine through, but also diversity in the talent that we're all trying to showcase and get behind.
1: And if you look at someone like Mickey Guyton, and I know you've talked to her about this as well, and Mickey is someone who I met her when she first moved here. We sort of met randomly at a restaurant one night, (laughs) but I do remember the very first time. She, uh, you know, she got signed to UMG in the very first time during country radio seminar where she got a standing ovation. And then nine years later got another standing ovation. It's like, what, what has taken so long? You know, Here's someone again who has so much talent and so much to offer and we do see that now is her time. Will radio support her? That's still, that's yet to be seen. But if no better time than now to support someone like Mickey Guyton who is standing up for everyone.
0: Right. And I've noticed that to be a theme in all the women I talk to is they're wanting to create and it's all genres. They realize that it clicked when they started playing to the demographic that is not represented. Like I'm going to play to the version of Little Mickey that's a country fan that the masses weren't making music for or didn't feel like would work if we made music for them. And everyone has that unique attribute about themselves that if you can see it, you can be it. And we want these little girls to and boys to see themselves in the music that so many people love. So I feel like just owning that and not running away from it. It sounds so simple, but it's really hard to do when you have the pressures of being dropped or the success of your singlet radio weighing on your shoulders. So having people like yourself who just realign artists with what's important, which is their authenticity, offer the best of what you have that is you instead of trying to recreate what others have already done.
1: And I think you've, you've been through that too, where, you know, maybe there was a point in your career early on where you didn't have a true sense of who you were or what you wanted. And maybe people were telling you what songs to do and how to look and how, but I think once you get to that point where, you know, and you mentioned it a minute ago, that authenticity and your true self, that's when things start to happen. And to me, looking at what you're doing now, I believe it's a true success because look at the, uh, the, the diversity of artists you're
0: performing with.
1: It's incredible. And not many people can straddle those genre lines like you can.
0: Just do it. Ask for forgiveness later. Don't ask for permission (laughs) first. And it's taken me a minute to learn that, but it also has felt like a rebirth.
1: You look at some of our artist friends who are actually a lot happier now that they're not on the label that they were on because they weren't able to release music when they wanted or the type of music that they wanted. Or, you know, they didn't have the brand that they wanted. I I see so many artists that come into their own after they walk away from a record label. So I always tell artists, be careful what you wish for, because just because you got signed doesn't mean that everything's going to be magical.
0: Right. Yes, absolutely. And then there's also that idea that you're damaged goods if you've been signed to a record deal and you are no longer and you know, I know that you've been very vocal in a couple <laughs> different publications, like Variety. <laughs> you just posted a, a Variety. I woke up one day and saw a quote from you just saying, everyone's sleeping on Maggie Rose. And I was like, go get them, Leslie. <laughs> I
1: know. And, it does blow my mind. Um, and I am okay about being vocal when, you know, because a lot of these journalists, that we all know and love like Melinda Newman at Billboard and Sarah Rodman and, and Marissa Moss, they all understand what's going on in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm not really telling them anything they don't know because they love Maggie Rose, but I think it's okay to be vocal about those types of things. Absolutely. I really, I really do and I see that in what's sad for me is that sort of the art of A&R is disappearing. I do think we have some great A&R people in Nashville. I really do. Chris Lacey at Warner Brothers is incredible. But I think we have a lot of um, A&R people that something's got to happen first, right? Because it's a business. So they're not taking a leap of faith on their gut anymore about signing someone that they truly think is amazing. They want something happening um, on TikTok.
0: Mm -hmm. And what
1: I fear about signing artists off of TikTok is that it's okay if it's an artist that's been out there and you know really honing their craft and maybe they get noticed on TikTok but the artists that are getting signed off of one song that maybe hasn't even performed live before
2: mm-hmm.
1: so they don't even know if they're an artist i worry about those artists because in a year from now where are they going to be but i believe that now TikTok is the new a and r source
0: it totally is and it feels lazy it feels like mm-hmm. being unprepared for an interview or having one format determine that kind of investment in an artist when it used to be not only about the monetary investment, but also about the creative nurturing and fostering of an artist and helping them develop behind the scenes and then releasing an album. Oh, Mm -hmm. and then that didn't work? Okay, let's fine tune it. But now it's like, throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. And I worry that that's why the conversation is out there of like, are we yielding superstars or are we yielding Singles, And I mean superstars by people who can play a two-hour show Agreed. and keep that audience wrapped with attention. and Because that's why I love living in Nashville. I know that we're in a pandemic, but I would just go out and see live music multiple nights a week, not to go have drinks and stuff, but to study what I was experiencing with that live connection. I and agree. I'm worried that that's being neglected a bit right now. I agree I think that we are not
1: developing artists and I worry about those artists as well. And it's okay again if it helps someone that's been out there and has paid their dues and you know and they're going to get noticed on TikTok that's fantastic but mm-hmm. if you're getting signed off of one song or one silly video and you've never performed live before and that's what's happening and I'm hearing that in a lot of marketing rooms at record labels we're this doing a disservice
0: to that artist, yeah. though.
1: We're, they're telling artists, go out and put a make a TikTok video. And I'm like, really? This is like the new marketing now?
0: Yeah. It should be one component of many, many, many factors that maybe that's the tipping point or the straw that broke the camel's back to get you the visibility that you've been striving for. But we said A&R, and an A&R is artists and repertoire. Those yes. are people who curate music. Chris Lacey is at uh, Warner and she's been fabulous A&R for many, many years. And that's hard to keep your job. In LA, most A&Rs are 20 and then they leave when they're 23. (laughs) (laughs) So the fact that she's been able to hold that position and be a part of so many iconic albums is fantastic. But I think of you, you've been this for me, and you know, so is someone like Michael Bryan over the years, where they've helped yeah. me curate my records because you know you've been patiently listening. And I want to talk about you eventually because we're talking no, 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 a lot no, about. Is, but um, I feel like that's something that everyone in the industry at Viacom you know, across the country knows that you're someone who's helped discover and break artists that are being underserved just as far as the system goes and giving them that credit. But what I feel like people really need to know is that you're also behind the scenes with people like me pushing us forward to put our albums together. You know, I've sent you songs that didn't even end up making it on the record just to get that feedback from you. And I'm not sure how you have the time because I know you're one of the busiest people ever, but that accessibility has kept so many artist heads in the game and you should know how valuable that is and you bringing us together and helping me meet other artists through either parties that you have at your house or cmt next women of country that is when over the last maybe six seven years i've really felt part of this community and i think that you were just a huge facilitator for that so i want everyone to know that somehow you have like 48 hours in one day (laughs) where the rest of us have 24. I appreciate that. I
1: do like to um, consider myself part of your team. Like, you know, that's when I say, let's get together and have a brainstorming session or let's listen to music. And, you know, let me be part of whatever brainstorm you have for the next three to six months. And I think the path that you have taken is again, since we're talking about you is, is really smart because you're a type of artist that can be heard on a radio station like lightning 100 or a rock station or a pop station. And I still believe a country station.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Cause you know, it's about great music. So I don't really, we used to have this slogan called, um, you know, no labels. And it was really about just listening to great music period. And I still like to be a fan of music. I go to a lot of shows. I was going to a lot of shows before COVID. And I'm <laughs> like you, I used to like to go to little shows too. And Discover mm-hmm. someone or when Americana Fest was in town, just like drop into the exit in and see who was playing. So I still like to be, you know, I like to be in that discovery mode all the time. But it's, it's exciting to be part of people's teams and to help them with their journeys.
0: going back to your discovery roots. I love what you've just relaunched with the Morning X recreated, <laughs> revisited with this the pop culture show. It's an amazing podcast. I was listening to it on Spotify just a couple episodes and it feels like you're just back to your fun morning show days where you know we talk about what's going yes. on in the world and not it's not just all I, I don't know what what we even talk about on morning shows anymore it's yeah like, it
1: it was really meant to not be serious it was It happened honestly during the beginning of the pandemic, right? We, we were like, let's do this for fun, let's make it sound like our old morning show, and now we have a guy from New York who's doing it with us but it really if you you know again, it's about trying to uh have a little escapism, so we talk about celebrities and movies and you go
0: all the way. Out there, and I let's so let's take everyone back to the beginning and how we've come full circle to this new podcast. So we start in Fairhope, Alabama, yes. where you're from. You get a radio gig at <laughs> at what age? High school, high school. In high school, I was working
1: at um, WABF, and that just sort of changed my whole world because I thought I wanted to be a journalist. So we started, you know, through the drama department, we had a little, a little show on the weekends at this local radio station. And I was like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. So I got the radio bug. So that, you know, radio is my first love. So all through college, I worked at this uh, top 40 station called WABB, but it was album in rock when I started. So I did, I did Midnight to Six. And I mean, I, you know, I was playing like King Crimson and Elvis Costello and,
0: another thing I discovered from Kelly's podcast and <laughs> yeah. I laughed out loud you're playing prog rock at three in the morning yeah little Leslie's not sleeping she's just I mean 3 a.m. Yeah. you said was your first song playing King Crimson which I had to look up and I was like whoa this is heavy stuff And uh, I, I
1: think you'd actually like them
0: <laughs> I totally I mean you know I'm a I, I'm all over the place too I love fish and Grateful Dead and EDM and country and I like it all. So then So then you, it you, then it
1: was top 40, then it transitioned into top 40 and then I got this job in Atlanta in 1990 at this uh, top 40 station called Power 99 and 2 years later we flipped to 99X was, you know, one of the first true alternative stations in the country. Of course, it was your
0: program director at this station, at 99X. In the
1: beginning, I wasn't the program director. I transitioned into uh, I was doing the morning show and assistant program director. But that was the height of alternative in the 90s.
0: Oh my gosh, I know it. It, it must have the heyday. You <laughs> was heyday. Nirvana. I mean, <laughs> you had Oasis, Smashing Pumpkins, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. It was crazy. One thing I noticed that was a very male dominated genre, but I think the difference is, you know, you have your your queens like Shirley Manson and Alanis Morissette and Dolores Arordian, but there weren't the amount of women clamoring to be a part of that genre. There were,
1: yeah, there were, you know, female-led groups. It was like Veruca Salt and Luscious Jackson. And, you know, we played a lot of women that were available. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there weren't a lot, but there were still a lot, you know, like Liz Fair. We supported Liz Fair.
0: Love Liz Fair. And then
1: right around the time of um, Lilith Fair, you know, we were kind of a rock and pop station, too. So we would support Sarah McLachlan and Jewel and a lot of the Mm -hmm. women that were part of Lilith Fair. So that was the great thing about the no label situation. It didn't have to just be smashing pumpkins.
0: But so we're in Atlanta you're doing the Breakfast Club, and part of that show, you've now reunited and brought back yeah. together.
1: It started. Uh, it was the Breakfast Club, and then when we turned to alternative, it became the Morning X. The Morning you know, X. We were together for over ten years, and you know, and again on that show, we were like, we want to bring, we want to bring everyone into the fold. There was a little singer songwriter named John Mayer that was playing at Eddie's Attic.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: uh, you know, he would come on our show. It is funny because the last time I saw John Mayer in in Nashville, he said to me, I always feel like I'm still trying to get your approval. (laughs) I'm like, stop it. But Keep trying, John. But we had, you know, we supported a lot of those local artists that, you know, went on to be John Mayer or, you know, Butch Walker or. It was, yeah, it's crazy.
0: I love both of them. Butch Walker's amazing.
1: Butch is great. And it's, it's funny because I'll tell you this little story about, you know, artists would also come in to perform and, you know, we would do things in our conference room. And to this day, I don't like putting artists in conference rooms because it's so cold. So, you know, at CMT, we have that little kind of green room you've been in there. But the reason is because back in the day. Alanis Morissette, who no one knew, she was a brand new artist. She came in. We did something in the conference room, and six months later, you know, she had the biggest album in the world. So I was like, ah, we can't do this conference room thing. This is embarrassing. We have something better for artists. Something you know, make them feel comfortable instead of sitting behind a desk.
0: I love that the Morning X has reunited, and that you all have still remain friends. And what are the names of your co-hosts? Well. Uh, Steve Barnes. Right. And, um, our other co-host, Jimmy, is
1: not doing the show with us anymore because he's full-time real estate. So we brought mm-hmm. in uh, Paul Covey Bryant, who is still doing a morning radio show in New York. So it's the three of us. And it's funny because we're going back and interviewing a lot of the people from the 90s. Like we had Rain Maida on from Our Lady Peace. And we talked to Butch Walker. And we talked to Jewel recently. So we're going back and, you know, kind of revisiting uh, the, the alt-rock thing.
0: That's so cool. Yeah,
1: It's been fun. Wow.
0: That kind of is a perfect segue into the fact that the format flipped at the Atlanta station, the Morning X. You had to leave and then go to New York, but then Mm -hmm. you were part of an epic duo doing a morning show then an afternoon show with Matt Pinfield, who's super famous. He's amazing. Super well-known, hugely influential VJ at MTV and VH1 so humble. Totally. I can tell he respects you. It's pretty unbelievable because I've said this before. You cannot walk down
1: the street with him without being stopped every five seconds and just revered. And because we had to do this morning show together, we would go to shows at night and I would have to, I've told this story, take him out the back door because we'd never get out. And, (laughs) you know, and he lived in Jersey. So, (laughs) but people absolutely love Matt. And it was an education every single day an education and you know it's like every rock star wanted to be on our show because of matt
0: what are some of the best lessons you gleaned from your time with matt and i know that you both are still super tight
1: i would love to do something with him again because it's again it's uh it's like an education every day but you know he's never lost his passion and i'm you know i try to learn from that every day about still being a fan of the music Mm -hmm. and we laughed so much about some of the stuff that we did because we just wanted to have a little local radio station in New York City and support artists. And that's what we did. And we would have a lot of artists come on the morning show, you know, bands from Brooklyn when the whole Brooklyn scene was happening. And, you know, they were like little kids in a candy store because they were talking to Matt Penfield, who they would, you know, grew up watching on 120 Minutes on MTV. So it was so much fun to see that. And and kind of looking back, there were a lot of people that became huge you know, huge stars that came on our show when they just got started. But yeah, just to keep that passion that Matt has, he still has it. He's doing great things. He lives in LA now. He's an A and R. Basically what he does now is he he hosts a lot of things for artists. He does a you know he does a podcast. He does a syndicated radio show. So he does multiple things, but all these artists love you know, they love Matt to interview them because he knows more about them than they know about themselves, quite honestly.
0: That's amazing, and his <laughs> knowledge of music is absurd. Any era, any era, it's insane. Well, and he's truly an open book. I know he was an AR A&R at one point in time, so he yes. was helping discover talent for Columbia, but then, you know, he's gone on to proclaim and spread the news of all these great artists, and his own podcast, is something that he started during quarantine. He was hit yes. by a car and has gone through all these crazy things. And with COVID and the car wreck and the treatment, there's addiction issues and things that he's been really honest about. So helping artists to see that in someone else, I think is also really important because our job is to be vulnerable and to like be our best selves. And I think that you know, I've been able to hear a little bit of what he has to offer and He's a music fan, but he's also as brave as the artist he's interviewing, I feel, which is really cool.
1: It's true. And, um, you know, we had, there were a lot of artists that aren't with us anymore that he and I had the opportunity to interview, you know, Chris Cornell and Scott Wyland. And looking back on those things, I mean, he's Matt's been very open about his struggles. But Mm -hmm. I think what you said a second ago, it's true. It's He's ended up being able to help and inspire a lot of people because he's been open about it. And, you yes. know, he's he's made dedication to, you know, his health and wellness.
0: Which is the very thing that he probably admires about the artist that he's loved for all these years. So I think he he is a legend and I'm going to still call you legendary. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I got to hear you telling some stories with him in your interview with Zach Kuhn about how Skip Bishop, who you and I both know and love back in his Sony days when he was senior vice president of promotion there would just call you up how did you know each other just through the sony connection you and skip when you're in new york skip had worked uh you know we knew each other when he actually was in radio
1: years and years ago so we knew each other from there we we knew each other when he worked at rca and i was in atlanta and we would see each other at conventions and he has a thing about pepper grinder so you can ask him about that but <laughs> okay so um you know he he knew me when i was in atlanta he would you know, he was at RCA. So when I went to New York, you know, he called me about that story about Miranda Lambert and Brad Paisley, and just turned me on to country that I wasn't aware of. You know, contemporary country just was not part of my like this life. This was
0: so far off your radar. This way is another off thing,
1: the ra- way off the radar
0: <laughs> that I didn't know. So you're like, you're busy interviewing David Bowie and these rock icons, and then Skip Bishop calls. He's got Miranda Lambert in town, brings her by. It's amazing. She obviously has plenty of rock influence in her music, and she's got the chops to to put on a good rock show. Uh, Brad Paisley comes by. You have actors coming by the studio. But then the format change once again. Yes. And your inclination is to pursue another job in radio elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Radio, my first love. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to another radio station, right?
0: N- naturally. <laughs>
1: naturally.
0: And I didn't know how instrumental Brian Phillips was, who was still at CMT when I moved to Nashville and took a chance on me with one of my first videos. We worked out at the same place and I think I was as bold as to say hey mr phillips please play my video when i was like 20 years old but now that i know how he encouraged you to pursue a job in entertainment and journalism being something that you wanted to go into initially not knowing that tell me about brian and who he is in your journey
1: it's interesting because i've never had a female mentor in the business world outside of you know my mother but they were always male mentors and Brian, probably the longest running mentor because he was the program director at 99X. He came in as the program director. And then when he left to go and uh, you know, start this wonderful country radio station called The Wolf in Dallas, I became the program director. And then after that, he went to CMT. So we've always, you know, we've always been in touch, but mm-hmm. our entire time working together in alternative music in Atlanta at 99X and always staying in touch. And I called him about, you know, this thing is ending in New York. Right. I'm talking to this radio station in San Francisco. And he's like, why, like, why are you not looking outside of radio? And I'd never thought about that. Honestly had not thought about that. So we talked and talked and I started talking to other, you know, other entities, media companies in New York. And then he invited me to come to Nashville one weekend and see him at CMT, which I did. And and I loved Nashville because I'd been to Nashville a few times when I lived in Atlanta. Hmm. You know, I went to a couple of shows at Exit In, and, you know, it was a sleepy little town then, which was amazing, by the way. Right. And, and in my weekend at uh, in Nashville seeing Brian, he offered me the job to wow. oversee the music department. And I said yes without even thinking about it. I'm not kidding you. And then after I said yes, you know, I said to my husband, I don't know anything about country. And he's like... <laughs> It doesn't matter. You know how to market, you know how to put a team together, you know how to market to an audience. You can, so that first year, you know, I had my head down and went to a billion shows.
0: What was your job description when you first started with CMT?
1: It was, um, it was to be senior vice president of music strategy.
0: So far from entry level, (laughs) a lot of responsibility right off the bat.
1: And you know, the team there was incredible. So I kind of tapped in, you know, the team, they're all, you know, I don't know what I would do without them because they're all experts in one way or the other. You know, like Stacey Cato has this amazing knowledge of the history of country music. And, I love you know, him. Tapped into that. And um, Jordan Walker knows all the songwriters in town. So everyone had their little, you know, area of expertise. So we honestly, I went to a lot of shows. I had to learn the job first and foremost because I went from radio to TV and rock to country. But it was the healthiest thing that I could ever do. I mean, kind of turning my whole world upside down. And again, like I was, I really wanted to be a student of country music. You know, I was a fan of a lot of Americana stuff. When I was doing rock radio, like I would go see Lyle Lovett all the time. Mm -hmm. I thought that was country, quite honestly. I did have a chance to see uh, Johnny Cash and June and Atlanta back in the day, because I did love some of the classic country, but I didn't know anything about modern country music at all but I think I fell in love first and foremost with the songwriters because I you know went to the Bluebird and you know fell in love with Brandy Clark before I knew who she was and that you know slowly started you know and then finding out that you know people like Brandy and Ashley Monroe were two country for country and Brian Phillips again president of CMT I was like I really want to do something for these female artists can we start a franchise what can we do and you know, he always was like, yes, and supportive, and this is the right thing to do. So that's when all—that's where all that started. Unbelievable. Where I started seeing like the lack of support for women the first few years at CMT. And not from the CMT side, honestly, but from listening to radio, because again, I'm a radio fan and didn't really know about how country radio was programmed and really just not, you know, it started like, like I didn't hear a lot of women on the radio.
0: It's kind of crazy that you took the job because you had a master's in what you were doing at radio. At this point, you'd had such a successful, fun, long career where you had a lot of notoriety. And then you took this job in, in a completely different world in a town that was, I know everyone thinks Nashville's pop it now, but it was not. Even when I moved there, it was very slow. But then you started to expose all these artists who deserved it and then identify what wasn't working, what wasn't correlating with what you were seeing and you were giving these people a platform and you weren't getting backed up by radio. We all need to work together.
1: All the gate, all the gatekeepers need to work together. And, um, you know, we've had meetings with a lot of the gatekeepers. We used to broker these meetings um, with change the conversation of going guys, you know, we're the ones that can make this happen. And we would talk to heads of radio and heads of streaming services and labels and go, we we can make a change. We're going to mm-hmm. rewrite history. First and foremost, artists are going to come to town. They're not going to see anybody that looks like them or sounds like them. And it's honestly hurting the male artists as well, because so many male artists are getting signed that you have to be so different to even, you know, be noticed or, you know, break out or step out. And, you know, I always talk about Charlie Worsham, who I think is one of the most You know, underrated artist in town. I think every person in town respects him. And I'd still love to see him, you know, have a shot at success. But what is success? I think it's success right now the fact that, you know, he can play on an Eric Church record and then he can be a part of Old Crow Medicine Show as a full time member of the band because that's how successful or how talented he is as a songwriter and musician. So I think you have to start looking at, you know, what does success really look like? But I do think that we all have to come together as an industry and work on this this issue about you know not only women but diversity.
0: You're asking the question, "What is success?" and I think it's sustainability. Mm-hmm. And when I think about people that I can bet every cent I have on still being around in 30 years, Charlie is someone who I would bet on because it's just in his blood. You can see it, and uh, he's not chasing. A hit. I know that he'd probably enjoy one and deserves one, but it's his vocation. And I, I recognize that in people who have that spirit. And that's why
1: I kind of look at like you and, and other people that are making things happen on their own. Like during this whole pandemic, you were working and so was Charlie. And to me, that's that's success. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, have a gold record or, you know, be number one on a chart somewhere. You're doing what you love Hopefully, getting paid for it
0: sometimes. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I'm not hungry, but hey, we're we're here. We're all right. Uh, did you get pushback with beginning that movement of change the conversation? Was that yet another feeling of okay, I'm about to take the plunge and, and cause a bunch of commotion by just doing what the rest of your peers in the industry should be doing? Well, I didn't. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't get
1: pushback from Viacom because they think it's the right thing to do. And they've been nothing but supportive. It's about great music, right? No, mm-hmm. we didn't get pushed back. You know, Bicom's been incredible. I know in the very beginning when, um, you know, we all came together with Change the Conversation, Beverly got pushed back about an article that she wrote. And who is Beverly? Beverly Keel, who's a professor at MTSU. When I first met her, she was um, in-house publicity at UMG. So she's incredible. And, you know, she does a lot of things as well. She's still... Represents artists on the publicity side, like Jamie Johnson, and she works with Brittany Spencer. She's incredible. She's a great journalist. She is. By the way, if if you want to find her on Facebook, last year she wrote about women every single day on her Facebook post. It was like an appreciation post, and she wrote about all women, women behind the scenes, and just insanely talented and uh, such a champion like number one champion, right? Beverly Keel, But she got a little pushback about an article she wrote about the lack of support for women at radio. And at the time, Tracy Gershon, who is an A&R rep and a publisher, she was uh, managing an artist named Natalie Stovall, who is an incredible artist and is part of Runaway June now. And she was out there trying to get her a label deal. And a lot of the labels were like, you know, we've already signed a female. Like,
0: what? Right. Natalie, who's a A Berkeley grad and uh, explosion of sunshine, incredible songwriter.
1: It's ridiculous how talented she is. So, you know, and so that's why we all came together. And I was like, this, we've got to do something about this because again, we're going to rewrite history. And I would say that, you know, month to month, sometimes it gets better at radio, but I feel like we have to start giving our energy to other places that want to make a difference and, and support great talent. If it's not going to be at radio, it'll be at, you know, Pandora or Apple Music or Spotify or, you know, CMT, which last year we started Equal Play, which is a big deal. And all of our video hours on CMT, our 24-hour channel called CMT Music, and now Pluto TV, which is a streaming service that is in like 30 million homes. Wow. Our video hours are 50-50 male-female. So I felt like we made another bold statement. I'm just, I want partners. I want people to partner with us
0: speaking of not just gender equality i partnered with you to do something for the lgbtqia community with oasis which is this amazing organization based in nashville that yes. so helps you know young people kind of get back on their feet when they've been displaced and don't have a place to live and they're part of that community as well and you know cody is a voice a representation in country music cody allen he's amazing yes and I think what you've done is helped destigmatize the presence of all of this in country music, which, you know, other genres, it's not an issue. And I think you coming from the background that you've come from, you're like the whole title of your movement, Change the Conversation, is like, let's stop talking about this. Like the day that we don't have to talk about this is going to be our favorite day because it's really the least interesting thing about most artists. Men don't lead with, I'm a man, and here's my song. And I just don't really see that in a lot of the circles that I was in before. And that's why when people ask me, I say I'm more of an Americana artist, but my music is on CMT. You won't hear it on country radio right now, but that's not because of the sonics of my music. It's because of the climate. And I feel like it's pushed a lot of women away from... Identifying with that genre. It's almost like I have to say, but I'm with Leslie Fram, but I'm not necessarily pursuing that. And I feel like it's starting to change this year. Maybe it was the contention of 2020. Could be. People being cooped up during the pandemic and finally wanting to be vocal about certain things. I think Mickey Guyton's a huge catalyst for change and talking about her own struggles with the many, many years that she's been in Nashville, but I am hopeful and I'm excited. And I feel that it also correlates with the evolution that Nashville as a town and as an industry is going through as well. There's a place for everybody. There's a place for every sound of music. The talent is certainly there and the collaborations can all happen to yield whatever kind of music it is, but making space for it will be better for all of us. We're going to make more money if we figure out how to welcome everybody.
1: I agree. And I'm, you know, I love Nashville. I really feel lucky to be here in this community of people and how friendly people are, but also how supportive people are. And what you just said is a huge statement. I really want people to be proud of Nashville, but I want them to be proud of this format. And I mm-hmm. do think that, that we have to push the format forward to be more inclusive. Yes. And I don't want people to feel that, you know, they can't be supported, so they have to, you know, go into a different lane like Americana, because honestly, there are a lot of Brandy Clark and Brandy Carlisle and a lot of the artists that are supported at Americana mm-hmm. should also should also be supported at country.
0: Absolutely. Brandy Carlisle just put a John mm-hmm. Denver cover out. She is country. Mickey Guyton mm-hmm. is country. She is grew country.
1: Up- Mm
0: -hmm. on her grandmother's floor, listening to Dolly Parton with her. We need to widen our definition of what that is. And I think that we can apply that to a lot of things in our social climate about what our preconceptions are about the categorization of each other.
1: Absolutely. I am hopeful too. I really am. And I want to stay positive. And, you know, that's the one thing about social media that does bother me is that I don't want to be pointing fingers on social media and calling people Mm -hmm. out. I really just want to be positive and shed a light in our spotlight and celebrate all the great things that are happening. And again, listen, I think that I'm still going to listen to all kinds of music. I am so excited that in the Grammys, even in the country category, look at all the women that were nominated. Mm. If radio could reflect that, I mean, how amazing would that be? You've got the high women in there and Brandi Clark and Ashley McBride and, you know, Ingrid Andrus. I mean, to me, we should be
0: celebrating things like that. Ingrid Andrus is another artist I discovered through CMT Next Women performance that you do every November. But it's definitely not for lack of wonderful contributions of music from these women. I might not find it through my radio station, but all those women you just listed are people that I've been playing over the last couple of years. And largely due to the network of women that you've helped me weave together and us getting the word out to each other and our fans and men. Uh, oh, absolutely. Who have been singing the praises of women who they love.
1: Yes. And I, you know, I'm excited that Mickey Guyton is nominated. Um, but there are so many male artists that have been supportive over the years. You know, whether it's somebody like a Brothers Osborne to honestly, like a Keith Urban who takes women out on the road with him all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We, need, we need more of that. I, I interviewed Larkin Poe for this podcast and they that. mentioned him. And there's so much overlap with what they do as contemporary blues artists and age, like the the variety of ages of artists that they play with. They are like all over the map and super exciting to watch. And that's what makes me hopeful about the direction that we're going in and continue to go in. So I love the work that you're doing and I love that you've made me a more connected, better musician in this town and using all the resources that are available to me because of the people that you've turned me on to.
1: Well, I can tell you that, um, you know, we try to do a lot of things that we don't even talk about, but I remember one year before COVID, uh, we had a lot of events that we booked. You were part of those, if you remember. We booked that one year because we did a lot of things leading up to CMA Fest and the CMT Music Awards, did a lot of events, you know, You were part of one that uh, the experiential dinner that we did. But that was called the Songbird Supper. It was the Songbird Supper.
0: Full circle. Here we are. (laughs) You planted that seed.
1: Yeah. And we don't pat ourselves on the back for that. But that one year we booked 27 female artists for events and they all got paid for these events too. It wasn't, we just Mm -hmm. booked them and said, hey, play for free. Like we actually paid them and that's what we try to do.
0: We we love that. We (laughs) appreciate that. (laughs) We'll switch gears a little bit. Lanny, your husband. Yes. I love. How long have you all been married?
1: We have been together. We've been married 26 years. And, you know, like you and and Austin, you know, we're best friends. We love doing everything together. We have music in common and a love of folk art. And um,
0: your home is so beautiful, the art that you have on your walls. And he's told me some awesome (laughs) stories of his early days in music management and
1: yeah, he's writing a book about, you know, just his life and his experience, which I hope that will help a lot of people because, you know, he didn't have the wonderful childhood that I had. And so, oh. you know, he's going to openly talk about it and I think it's going to help a lot of people. But, you know, he's my rock because, you know, we we both laughed about when we <laughs> got onto the podcast today, you know, he set it up for me and everything technically is. And I just like step in and sit down, put the headphones on and here I am. But he, you know, he does so much for me that, you know, I don't think I could, I don't know how to run a household.
0: I can appreciate exactly Uh. what you're talking about, because that is exactly what happened before I sat down for this podcast as well. But, (laughs) you know, I think you both are such a great team and I've seen him in action in the kitchen. He had menu printed out. And we have like three courses. Yeah, I mean, he
1: does, and he takes pride in it. And, you know, he cooks really healthy, like gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, you know, it's... uh,
0: He has his uh, artist wellness program that he started, too, to help artists achieve balance, which is damn near impossible to do with schedules and just everything going on. So I love how mindful he is of that. And how did you keep your wits about you when you were in rock radio for so long continuing to be in music and just in this environment that makes it really hard to keep balanced how is lanny a big part of that
1: he is and i think i've always had an issue with balance i really do because i feel like even before i will say that there have been some great lessons because of the pandemic because i was out every single night Mm -hmm. and i know you've talked to people about this too a lot of people are talking about the silver linings of this pandemic because you get into this routine of being out all the time. And right. in Nashville, it's very easy to be out every night. There's showcases or shows or just it's a social town. And now I've sort of learned to you know, sit back and enjoy being quiet, which is not in my nature because I'm, I'm a very type A personality. So it really has been great. And I don't think I'll ever go back to the way it was, which was being out every single Every single night and a radio was the same way and it was really tough in New York because I was at the radio station all day because I was also the program director. And then Matt and I would go to shows at night. So it was really tough sleeping or or getting sleep. And so radio was very 24 seven. The one thing that's great about Nashville and when I got to Nashville is people said, Hey, people are really about their families and don't email people after 6 PM at night. Don't email people on the weekends. And to this day, like 10 years later, I still have a tough time with that. Wow. And respecting it, because I don't get emails on the weekend, so I don't want to bombard my team. I'll put everything in a folder or a draft, because I like to, you know, Saturdays listen to a lot of music and get back to people. And it, this town just works differently. But it's, very healthy. it's really healthy. It's really healthy.
0: The work-life balance, when I work with folks from LA or New York, they will say, like, right before we... Got on our conversation. I was writing with two writers in LA, and they wanted to start at three o'clock. And I was just like, "Well, wait a minute, <laughs> I need to start earlier." <laughs> so we got some stuff done, but it has conditioned me to take care. To it's very important maintain some level of balance, but that is slipping away from me very, very quickly. And I think from a lot of people, just with social media and the accessibility expected of everybody, but there are some standards that Nashville helps us uphold about making sure that our husband knows that we love him and things like that. And since we work together, we we also share in our music and need to be aware of when we're maybe burning the midnight oil too much and like, okay, music talk is over time to just chill out and move on.
1: I would have to say it's gotta be really tough for you too, because you know, you guys work together. And so Mm -hmm. you have to kind of separate that and also be husband and wife at some point.
0: Yes. But it has given us an advantage this past year because (laughs) I'm like, oh, your office hours are now. We're going to get this done, vice versa.
1: Well, what one of the things, you know, because Lanny was in management for many years and, you know, worked in sort of the rock and alternative world. But one of the things we used to love to do, and of course we're not able to do it anymore because of the pandemic, but We would like to, we used to love doing showcases at our house for new artists. And we did when we lived in 12 South, we did one for Ingrid Andrus like four years ago and just invite a small group of people to try to turn them on to a new artist. And we, um, this made me think of this when I heard your podcast with Ruby, Amanfu. We did one for Ruby and part of it was a whole eating program where Lanny would put a menu together with that artist from wherever they were from. And so she had this whole menu of all the, this Ghani menu and Mm -hmm. she spent the night and they got up and they cooked all day. And it was part of the whole, it was, you know, it's like food and music. See,
0: you know how to do it. So we should bring that back is what I'm saying. Absolutely. You know how to put on a show. We should totally bring that back. What's the craziest on air thing that ever happened to you?
1: Well, when I was in, uh, Atlanta at 99X, we used to do these um, sessions live instead of in a studio. We, we started doing them in a studio where, you know, I mean, every major artist from Dave Matthews to whomever, we would do these live X sessions. And then we put an album out every year and all the money went to charity. But we used to try to do them live on the air until one time Natalie Merchant this was really kind of interesting. We were trying to do this live on the air and Natalie Merchant had a little meltdown because of something and not hearing yourself in the monitor. And we were live on the air. And I was like, okay, we can't do, do this anymore because somebody just had a meltdown live on, on the air. And um, Evan Dando one time from the Lemonheads, said a couple of four letter words. And so oh, that's no. when we were like, okay, now we have to, you know, that was before the days of, you know, drops. Yes.
0: But FCC was still around. So. <laughs> exactly. All right, a little fun fact. You were a narrator on Toonheads? Yes.
1: I used to do a lot of voice work when I had time in Atlanta, and um, Cartoon Network had a show called Toonheads, and I used to do the voiceovers for Toonheads. I don't think I have those
0: anymore. I YouTubed some, and they are fascinating. I didn't know if, I was like, is Leslie a big cartoon fan? Like, how did this gig happen? Well, your voice is very soothing, and I learned a lot of cartoon history.
1: Thanks for letting me know those were on YouTube, by the way. They are. Everyone, they're on YouTube. (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: The full circle moment that you felt like, okay, I'm home or this is cool when you put a crossroads session together. Any artists who worked with artists that you had come across in your earlier career?
1: Well, it's interesting. The very first one that I went to at CMT or the first one they had was uh, with Sting Wow! and Vince Gill. And I had supported Sting a lot, you know, in radio. And my husband used to joke around about there's more pictures of my wife and Sting in our house than me and my wife. So, but probably Sting because uh, I don't know if you heard that funny story about me interviewing Sting no. at the Fox Theater in Atlanta when i worked at 99x i went to interview him and i had a dat player and i went into his dressing room to do the interview and all the lights were off there were a bunch of candles and he was on the floor doing you know his yoga treatment before the show his <laughs> yoga exercises so i like literally had to sit on the floor with him and i can't see anything there's only a few candles i've got the dat machine he wants to do the interview while he's you know sitting there doing his yoga stuff and i literally like pretended and hoped and prayed that I hit the record button. And we did this great, you know, 45 minute interview or whatever. And I left and I was just petrified that I didn't hit the record button because I couldn't see anything. And well yeah. Fortunately, you know, it, it recorded, but um yeah, big sting thing. Oh <laughs>
0: like, like, I'm sorry, can I just flip on the lights and interrupt your Zen? That's amazing.
1: What was so cool about that uh, Crossroads was that he was in awe of Vince Gill and Vince Gill was in awe of him. So it was really, it was pretty amazing to see like two incredibly talented, prolific people be in awe of
0: each other. They are both awesome, though, as far as their contributions to music and how incredibly different they are (laughs) and on the same stage. And I think that that is an embodiment of who you are and what you're capable of doing and bringing together.
1: I have to, before you end this, I have to ask you who would your crossroads be with? I don't know. And I knew you were going to ask that, but Stevie uh,
0: Nicks has already been.
1: She can do it again. Carol King. Carol King would be amazing because she's never done one. And we've always wanted Carol King to, you know, to do maybe even like artists doing everything from tapestry or something.
0: Oh, tapestry is one of my all time favorites. Yeah. If Aretha were still alive, of course, I would call upon her. Exactly. Although you have to have some serious cojones to be on stage with Aretha <laughs> and singing. Uh, but I think I'm going to say right now, Carol King, because what a dream. She's just an incredible songwriter and I think our music goes well together. Could happen. So let's put that out into the universe. Let's put that out into
1: the universe.
0: Manifest it.
1: <laughs> I could talk to you all night. Thank you. I could talk to you all <laughs> this night. Is amazing,
0: and It's just so good to see you and. Give Lanny my best and thank you for everything that you do that you've done for me and that you continue to do for me and all those great artists more to come. Let's go. Let's go. More to come. Exactly.
1: And next time I will see you and it won't be on a zoom, but thank you. This was awesome. And congratulations again.
0: All right, Leslie, I'll see you soon. Great to see you. Bye. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can keep up with Leslie on Instagram at LeslieFram1 and join the conversation and the movement by following Change the Convo on all socials. And to keep up with me, my music, and my touring calendar, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at I am Maggie Rose. Check out my new single, Do It, and on March 26th, my new single, What Are We Fighting For? drops. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Rose, where you can get exclusive Sleuth Songbird content along with new music, live stream concerts and more. You've been listening to Salute the Songbird on Osiris Media. The executive producers are Kirsten Cluthy and Brad Stratton from Osiris Media and Austin Marshall. And the show is edited and mixed by Brad Stratton. Original music by Maggie Rose. Please subscribe to Salute the Songbird on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. And if you like the show, recommend it to a friend or leave us a review so that others can join the conversation. Thanks for listening, and to close out the show, Leslie's pick was Black Like Me by Mickey Guyton.
2: Little kid in a small town did my best just to fit in Broke my heart on the playground mm. When they said I was different Oh, now Now I'm all grown up and nothing has changed Yeah, it's still the same It's a hard life An work day and night. For an old house and a used car. Just to live that good life. It shouldn't be twice as hard. say Fences far as you can see